Good evening. Hello. Welcome from Battle to Be to the Phoenix and the Ferryman podcast. And tonight I have a very special guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Oakland McCullough. And he is a amazing author, a speaker, and a, we're going to call him a leadership expert among many other things. So please welcome him warmly to our show tonight. Thanks, Krista. I appreciate appreciate you having me on the show. I really do. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. You okay. did. Cool. Just like awesome. the chainsaw, although I don't get any money from the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> I realized I forgot to ask you to double check, and I've well, been doing that yeah. <laughs> believe me, I, Believe me, I've called been called worse than anything you can call me. So that's all right. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So normally our podcast follows a really um, like a trauma arc, but I wanted to have you on because I feel like leadership is a conversation that we don't often have. And I feel like it's a conversation that's really beneficial for my audience because leadership isn't just for leaders. It's a framework for how we live our daily lives. So Tell us a little bit about who you are in your normal daily life and, you know, something unique and fun about you. Yeah. So, um, so I, I retired from the army after 23 years on active duty. I ran a food bank or associate director of a food bank for a couple of years, great organization and did great things, but it wasn't me. So I now do the recruiting for the Emory Riddle army ROTC program here in Daytona beach, Florida. So I help produce, the future generation of leaders in the United States Army and the country, Um, because a lot of our graduates don't go on active duty. They go in the National Guard or Reserve. Um, So they're not only are they um, serving their country in their Guard or Reserve one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer, but then they're also using those leadership skills in the civilian world um, out there doing great things for their companies that they get hired for. So I, I think that that's, you know, it's a passion of mine to to help train the next generation of leaders. And that's one of the things I talk about in the book and and during my presentations is that it's our responsibility as leaders today to train the next generation of leaders, those people who are going to take over for us someday. And uh, and so I I think that's one of the things that I, I, at this point in my life, is really my passion is to talk to as many young men and women as I can. I think that's extremely important right now. I know, I know, I hear from a lot of people that they're kind of giving up on our youth, that they have this attitude that, oh, well, you know, those kids aren't going to be like we were. So they feel like they don't have the skills or the competencies that are going to be necessary to lead the future. And I think that's a really tragic thing because if we want them, if we actually believe that they don't have those skills and competencies, shouldn't we? be trying to lead them into having them. There's a concept for you, Krista. There's a concept for you. (laughs) It it is our responsibility to make sure they're ready. Now, are they going to be the same, same people that we are? You know, your generation probably isn't the same as mine. And my, my generation is the same as my parents. And, you know, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all changing. uh, And each generation is different. That doesn't mean there's not good young men and women out there that, that have good qualities that we can develop into into leaders. And, you know, one of the one of the fa- one of my favorite quotes 
And uh, a guy that worked for me at the University of South Alabama when I was a professor of military science and I was running an Army ROTC program. One day, Master Sergeant David Powell, who's retired now and a good friend of mine, we were sitting there talking about the importance of what we were doing, uh, training not only leaders for the Army and again, leaders for the country and for com companies out there. And he said to me, he said, you know, boss, it comes down to this great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And I thought to myself, wow, what a quote. And you can take that word nations, that last word, and you can substitute company, government, family, military, university, hospital, sports teams, whatever you want. And it doesn't change the meaning of that. It's so powerful quote that it really does come down to handing down leadership from generation to generation. You know, and when, as I go around and talk to high school, young men and women from high school and, and college, I always tell them one of the last things I tell them is, you know, look, you're that next generation, whether you like it or not. At some point, old men and women like me are going to turn around and we're going to hand this off to you. And we're going to say, OK, it's now yours. I hope you do a better job than we did. And hopefully we trained them well enough that they will do a better job than we did. But it is our responsibility. There's a concept for you, isn't there? Right. Oh, so much. It's it's so funny how easy it is to blame. And we see people doing it all the time. It's their fault ahead of us and it's their fault behind us. It's never the fault of those that are in control right now that have the most predominant impact on everything right now. It's never, never their fault. That's right. So. <laughs> and, and we all know it is. And, and, and that's, that's, that's another concept that we have forgotten in this in this country is in this world, not just this country, is that people are responsible and you can't not be responsible. If you're the person in charge, your name is on the blame line and you are responsible for everything that that organization, that company, that that unit, that sports team, that hospital, that country, whatever it is that you're in charge of, you are the person who is responsible for that. And no matter what, you're responsible for everything that they do and don't do, because in the end, it's your fault. You're the person in charge, whether you like it or not. If you're in charge, you're responsible. And people, people have just forgotten that, that they can't, they can't say, okay, I'm not responsible for that because you are, whether you, whether you admit it or not. So you come from a servant leadership perspective. All of, all of your concepts are around the idea that, that to have a solid team, you have to take care of your weakest link. You have to bring everybody up to the same level, that it's not about just choosing those that are the best and excluding everyone else. It's a system of support where we all have the ability to teach each other to be better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, in the, in the real world, and if, if we all had a perfect world, you know, you, you would build a team with everybody who's an expert and the best person at whatever it is, but that's not the real world. We all know that that's not the case. And although I talk about the importance of building that great team around you as a leader, if you get that opportunity, part of that is that you're going to have to train people. 
you're going to have to teach people. You're going to have to train them. You know, even our brand new second lieutenants that we send out there and we've trained them well when they get out there in their unit or in their company, they're still going to have to have some training. And, and it's up to the leaders that are building that team to continue that training and that education and that um, the, the building the experiences that they got it to be a, a better leader. That's still part of the leader's responsibility. And I, I do believe that we as leaders need to be servant leaders. If you, if you aren't putting the, the people in your organization first, then, then there's something wrong. And that you're not going to be as good a leader and your organization is not going to be as good as, and as efficient as it can be. You know, in my book uh, and in my lectures, my presentations, I talk about this thing called it's not about you and it's all about you. It's not about you and the privileges that you're going to get. If you think that's why you're, we made you the leader so you could have more privileges, get, get a nicer title and drive a nicer car and live in a nicer house and get more pay, then you're sadly mistaken. That is not why we made you the leader. We made you the leader of that organization so that you can better serve those people that you work for you and the people you work for and that organization as a whole. That's what leaders do. They, they take care of the people and they take care of the organization and they got to have that vision of where they want to take that organization and the people have to take you there. You're not going to get them there. The people are going to get you there. And if you're not taking care of them, then they're not going to do the things you need them to do. Uh, it, and if you ever lose trust with them, it's over. You can just, you might as well move on to your next company or whatever, because you'll never gain that trust back from them again. So on that note, do you think and this is a really common conversation and leadership discussion. Do you think great leaders are naturally great leaders? Or do you think that someone, anyone can be trained to be a leader? I think it's both. I think there are people who are born with some leadership traits, some some things that want that make them want to be a leader and are pretty good at it. And you can see that out on, you know, go, go to any little little league team game or, a you know, youth soccer team where there's five, six, eight year old, 10 year olds playing, and you can pick out the leader. Nobody's trained that person to be the leader, but you, you can usually pick out who on, on that team is the leader. Those are the people who are born with it. And I think there are people like that. But having said that, I can tell you that I, my experience, I've been doing this leadership stuff for 40 years now and helping develop young leaders for a, a good number of those. And I can tell you that you can take somebody that wants to learn and wants to be a leader and they can develop their leadership skills. I, I use this example and this is a, a perfect example. When I was running the ROTC program at the University of South Alabama, I had a young man come in as a freshman and first day, first week he was there, I was like, that young man's never going to make it. And you know what? That man became, that young man became the battalion commander. He was the number one cadet in that program four years later. Somewhere along the line, you know, he kept learning. He kept wanting to get better. He kept doing all the things and the light bulb came on and it, he got it and it, he started to develop in leaps and bounds his leadership skills. And he ended up being one of the best cadets I've ever had in my I ever had in my program. And he's now a major in the United States Army doing great things. So it can be done. I'm, I'm telling you, know, you can you can get there if you want. 
you know, one of the things I always tell people is never, ever, ever turn down a leadership opportunity. If you get a chance to be a leader, be the leader. You know, that's the only way you're going to get better at it. I, you know, great leaders want to lead all the time. I believe that. I want to be the leader all the time. I mean, I want to lead everything I'm doing. Now, I know when I come home at night and I walk inside my door, I know I'm not the leader anymore. Okay, there's a reason I've been married 34 years. I know who the leader is in my house and it ain't me. But that's okay because I make decisions all along. My wife makes decisions. We're a good team. But when I walk back out the next morning, I want to be the leader in everything I do. And so I think good leaders want to lead. And if the only way you're going to get better at it is to practice it. That's the only way you're going to get good at it. I always tell people, you know, I can I can sit here and I can tell you all the things, theories of leadership. I can tell you all the things that practical leaders do on a practical everyday basis. And you can sit there and listen to them until I've told you everything there is to know about leadership. But until you go out and do it, you're not going to be a leader. It, just listening to what I'm talking about is not going to get you there. You got to go out and practice it. What do you think is the number one personality trait or quality, however you want to put it, that you see in, in, in the leaders that you've worked with? Is there something that stands out? So I think there's a couple things. I think one is uh, the desire to win. You know, again, in the real world, results matter. In, in the fantasy world, you know, where we don't keep scores, and, and everybody gets a trophy and everybody's a winner, that world doesn't exist. In the real world, results matter. And good leaders want to be get results. Um, you, know, you can do all the things that I talk about in my book about being a good leader. You can do all of them. And in the end, if you don't get results, guess what? You're not a good leader. <laughs> I'm sorry. And if that hurts your feelings, then too bad. Because it just, we have to get results. That's what we do. So I think... Those people who are, are uh, that are determined to, to do to get results and get everything right and to, to do the best they can do. Now, does that mean that you, 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 every once in a while you don't do the best you can do and things don't go absolutely right? Absolutely, they do. But that's OK. The desire to be the best is, is important. And the other thing that I think it is very important is that is that desire to to take care of other people, to understand that. It's not about you. It's about other people. And one of the best bosses I ever had, um, he, he would walk around at five o'clock at night when everybody was supposed to go home. And in the army, we have this, this horrible practice of staying late. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll be in the, we'd be in the, in the office, supposed to go home at five o'clock. We'd be in the office at six o'clock. And, you know, we were doing some type of little bit of work, but mostly we were just talking and, and, you know, just not, not being very productive. I had a boss that would walk around every night at five o'clock. He came in about halfway through my, my time in that organization. And all for a very first day, he took over that organization. He walked, walked up to everybody's office at five o'clock that evening. And he said, what are you doing right now? And I, you know, I, I remember me, I, I remember that first day I told him what I was doing. He said, can you do that tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I can. He said, then go home, <laughs> go home, spend it with your family. He said, that'll be here tomorrow. It, and and it, so I think, you know, taking care of people and understanding that they have a life 
look, again, number one, got to get the job done and we got to get results. But when we can, we got to take that time and spend time with our family and and uh, and take care of the people who who work for you to make sure that that they understand that they're important, not just the mission, but the people are important. Absolutely. And you don't just live your life from a work perspective. You live your whole life with these types of values. Everything that you do, you come at from a perspective of taking care of other people. Because I already know you've been involved in a whole lot of different volunteer positions and a whole lot of community and organization efforts. So how important do you think that that living the same qualities that you present in your employment or in your leadership position, how important do you think that consistency is? I think it's very important. And I always talk, tell people, you know, as I'm helping to develop these young leaders for the army. Um, and I always tell, tell people, look, the first part of leadership, you know, you gotta, you gotta start and, and it's, it's really, to me, it's incremental. The first thing we got to do is teach you how to lead yourself, have some self-discipline, some motivation, some rules that you got to live by. Um, and you have to, if you're going to be a leader, uh, if you want to be one that anybody trusts and anybody's going to follow, you got to have some rules to live by. So you got to be a leader of yourself first. Then you got to be a leader of your family. You know, as you're going out there, as these young men and women are graduating, and becoming officers in the army and leaders in the civilian world out there in the in the in the workforce and they're getting married and having children and all those things they got to be a leader in their family and then you got to be a leader in the community and that's where i think you're talking about you know i i've, I've been on the in the rotary club i've been uh in, on the chamber of commerce i i do some stuff at the church and uh at uh you know and i i, I do pro bono stuff you know give presentations um to organizations that that need it the young men and women really need some help um so i think that's important to be then then in that community you got to be a leader and then we go f as high as you want to go whether it's you know maybe you know maybe someday some of these people that i'm working with will you know be a be a senator in the united states united states congress or they'll be uh, you know the president of the united states who knows i mean you just never know who in that organization is where they're going to go or a three or four star general. I mean, you just never know. So, um, so I think it is important that you, you have to live, at least for me, I, I believe you have to live that type of life where you are what you're, what you're preaching. Cause it, it, you know, my father used to tell me all the time and, um, he used to say, if your words say one thing and your actions say another, they're going to believe your actions. You can say all you want, <laughs> but when people will see what you do, that's what they're going to believe. And so I believe that we as leaders in our families, in our communities, we have to set the example. So we have to live that life that we're that we're talking about all the time because you're a leader all the time. You don't get to take a vacation from being the leader. You know, uh, I, I believe that you're, you're the leader all the time and you're always on display and you got to do the, the right things because it's the right thing to do, because that's what leaders do. They do the right thing, not because somebody's going to check on them or because somebody's going to know whether they did, didn't do it or not. They do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. 
And this is, this is the magic key why I wanted to have you on the show so badly. For some of you guys out there who are listening, for those of you that I've spoken to and those of you that I haven't yet, this is a magic key. This is, this is part of healing from your trauma. This is getting up one morning and remembering what it's like to lead and remembering what it's like to follow someone who's a great leader and taking that into your life and going, wait, I'm not living the life that represents the person that I want to be. I'm not living the life of a leader. And so many of you guys are military, you're veterans, you're policemen, you're firefighters, you're community leaders, and you know this. And if you were in front of an audience, you would have no trouble getting into that role, into that character again. But you're waking up in the morning and you're not embracing that part of yourself anymore. And you're feeling depressed and you're feeling down and you're feeling like you have no passion and purpose. This was a passion and purpose for you. This was your life. This was your personification. Find that person inside you again and be that leader one small step at a time, one small action at a time. Right. And you'll find that it comes back to you naturally. Once you can see yourself that way again, you can go in that direction again. And I think it's a really big step forward for some of you guys. To yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. I think you're hitting it right on the head, uh, Krista. I think, you know, we, we get, again, I think a lot of what we do in life, first of all, we are all creatures of habit. So once we get into a habit of doing something, we're going to do it that way. And it's hard to break that habit. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we, we got, you got to get to the point where you are finding that motivation again, to do the things that made you happy. Um, and, you know, and that's easy to say, it's harder to do. I got that. I, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish anything here, but, but that is what's going to help you. That's the, that's the path forward. If you want to get back to it is you got to remember what made you happy and you got to start doing things that become a habit to get you back to doing the things that made you happy. And I think if you do that, then I think that's, that's the path forward for you. Right. One small step at a time. And it doesn't have to be a huge action. It can be just one small habit each and every day. One yeah. small change each and every day. And Absolutely. That I, I agree. You know, one, one of the things I talk about when I talk about, you know, because uh, I give several different presentations, one of them is, I call it how to be successful. And one of the things I talk about there is goals and setting goals. And I, I said, for a goal for, to, to be a goal have to have to have have to do a couple things. Number one, in my opinion, you have to write it down. Whatever you want to accomplish, you have to write it down. Because once you write it down, now it's tangible. Now you can say, okay, there it is. That's what I want. The second thing is is that you have to do something within the next within the first twenty four hours that get you started toward that goal. Even if it's like you said, even if it's just a small step, even if it's just seems like nothing, but at least you did something to start down that road toward getting to the to the to the goal that you set. And I think if you do those things, I think it, it gets you started on that path down. But you gotta you gotta acknowledge what it is you want, and then you gotta do something to start. And once you've done that, then it becomes 
and tomorrow you do the same thing. Maybe you do one little extra thing. Then the next day you do the same thing and maybe you do one extra little thing. And, and I think that's the path forward. If, uh, if you really want to get back to the, the way you were. Right. Sometimes it is as small a thing from the outside perspective as getting out of bed. We know how big of a thing that is for some of you. And, but for other people, they see that and they're like, well, that's not this very big thing. You know, you have these big goals. Sometimes all it takes is just getting out of bed. Sometimes all it takes is just taking a shower. Sometimes all it takes is cooking yourself a meal and actually eating something that's just, that provides you with nourishment. Uh, small, simple things, always moving forward towards something else. So that's a big part of the message that I wanted to bring you guys tonight. And how does, how does leadership relate to overcoming trauma? It really is very interconnected because it is who you are. It is how you put yourself out into the world. So I feel like it is very, very intertwined. And the skills and the steps that it takes to become a great leader are the skills and the steps that it takes to live a great life. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that, you know, I tell people all the time, look, you don't have to have to have a title to be a leader, you know, and, and this is the example I give, um, you know, I played baseball, basketball, football in high school, played baseball in college. So athletics kind of uh, were always a big part of me. And I, and I do a lot of presentations, a lot of work with uh, the college football teams and, and sports teams and the college football team here that I work with, I was telling them one day, I said, you know, everybody on this team has the capability of being a leader every day, whether you're the captain or not, doesn't matter. I said, so here's, here's the situation. You know, you're, you're down to the last play of the game and the quarterback throws a pass to the wide receiver in the end zone that would win the game and he drops the ball. So you lose the game. So here's where you have a chance to be the leader. If you're the person sitting next to that person in the locker room or on the bus or on the plane coming home, how do you react? That's what's going to determine whether or not you're the leader or not. Do you tell the guy, do you, do you say, I can't believe you dropped that ball. You cost us the game. Or do you say, look, that's in the past. It happened. Nothing you can do about it. We need you going forward. Pick your head up and do better next time. Now you're a leader. You're not a captain. You don't have a title of being a leader, but you are the leader. You are a, you are a leader. And, and I think that a lot of people get wrapped around titles and think that you got to have all these special things to be a leader and, and you don't. And leadership is leadership. Um, doesn't matter whether you have a title or not. In fact, titles, I know lots of people who have a title who aren't a leader. <laughs> they, they have a title of being a leader, but they're really not a leader. So, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, titles don't mean a whole lot. It's how do you treat other people? It's what you do when you're, when you're in that moment. Are you taking care of people or are you tearing them down? If you're tearing them down, you're not much of a leader, in my opinion, no matter what title you have. I mean, it's in your book. Leadership is earned. <laughs> it is every day. About a title every single earned. day, you got to learn, earn your leadership. I mean, and, and, and you owe it to the people who you're leading. You owe it to them to be the best leader you can be. Um, because you decisions you make and the things you do have it have an impact on their lives, sometimes huge impacts on their lives, you know, especially in the profession that that, you know, we were talking about here, you know, first responders and and military people. 
decisions that leaders make in those situations, the life and death situations, um, decisions. So you owe it to the people who are following you to be the best leader you can be and to take care of those people. And if you're not, then, then you need to go find something else to do. If you really don't believe that that's what your job as a leader is, then I, I would argue go do something else because you don't need to be a leader. Because you're dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Hurt. <laughs> yeah, and we, we do see that often. We do see those those people who people who don't earn their leadership abilities or I see, it, I see it every day. I see it all the time. Yeah. So for yourself, this is this is a personal question, not necessarily a leadership question. How important is self-care and what are some things that you do for yourself for self-care? Because you've, you've had these high stress roles, you've had these leadership jobs and you're still really deep and working, working a lot. So how do you take care of yourself? How do you do yeah, so, so I always tell people, you know, you got to have a hobby. Uh, now I, I'm not one of those guys, you know, I, I had a, I was sitting in an auditorium <laughs> one day with a bunch of majors and a, a four-star general gets up there on this on the stage and he's talking about this and that and everything and he's talking about the most important thing is to take time off and go spend time with your family and i was sitting there thinking yeah that's how you made four stars yeah right i got it yeah you got to be realistic you know but in my opinion you got to have a hobby and you got to have some downtime and you do have to spend family time i always cherished family time although i didn't get to spend as much as i would have liked to in some of my jobs but, but I always, um, for me, if I'm not working and I, I need some downtime, I get on my, my boat and I go fishing. I, I have, you know, I have my yacht, my 17 foot John boat with a 40 horsepower engine, <laughs> but it's, a, it's big enough to get me back in the mangroves where I can get lost and, and just fish for three, four hours um, and just spend some time with nature and, and do that kind of thing. And I, and I read, I love to read. Uh, and I think, you know, reading is is so important as a leader i you know the the quote that i always enjoyed was or i always always believed in was uh leaders read um uh, leaders have libraries others have big screen tvs so you know if you're going to be a leader you got to read uh you know and, and i think it was harry s truman said all all leaders are readers not all readers are leaders but all leaders are readers if you want to be a leader, you got to read. So uh, I've always read and, uh, and I enjoy reading, but, uh, but fishing to, uh, these days is the thing I do to relax. And, and it's so important. You got to have that, that outlet to uh, relax every once in a while. Cause I don't care who you are. You, you, you got to have some downtime where you can just recharge your battery um, because otherwise you, like you said, you know, you call it self-care. You, you got to take care of yourself as well. If you can't, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. If you can't do the job that you're supposed to do because you're so worn out mentally and physically, then, then you're not any good to your team. Right. I mean, we always use the put your oxygen mask on first, or, you know, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. That's right. Concepts that you can't just constantly be pulling other people up and not refill yourself. You come first so that you can serve. So yeah, that's yeah, I agree. absolutely one hundred percent. And I love fishing. Fishing would be the one thing. Fishing or hunting or the something that gets you literally away from the electronics into nature, 
where you can be alone in the quiet. Like those are, those are optimal choices. Yeah. And reading serves multiple purposes. It lets you rest and relax, but you're also learning and you're, you're entertaining yourself, but you're also learning and gaining new, new skills inevitably, even if you're reading like stupid romances and crazy mushy stuff, there's always something in there you didn't know. That's like, right. about, like some location and the rules of that location, or did there's something crazy to learn from everything and anything. So I'm a big advocate of uh, at least 10 pages a day and like read everything. Read history, read biology, read science, read like read from every category. I agree. So, so one of the things uh, when when I was deployed, um, you know, in Saudi Arabia and Germany for Bosnia and Kosovo, I had a rule uh, that every night before I went to bed, I had to read 10 pages of whatever book I had at that point. Um, No, I don't care if I went to bed at two o'clock in the, in the morning, if I was getting ready to go to bed, I read 10 pages. I mean, that was my rule. I had to read 10 pages every night. So that's funny that you said 10 pages. But, you know, as I do go, as I'm talking to these young men and women trying to decide whether or not, uh, you know, to help get them into the program and do the interviews that are required. The last question I asked every single young man and woman that I talked to, and I've done this for 14 years. The last question I ask is, what is the last book you read for entertainment? not because somebody made you read it, but because you wanted to read it. And it's amazing the, the books that you, you get. Um, so, you know, some, you know, you get the, the ones that you would expect, you know, the Harry Potter books, you know, whatever. But, but I, just, I just got a, a young lady, a young lady the other day who told me she read Catch-22. I was like, holy cow. I, I, that's one I've never gotten in all 14 years. I've never had anybody tell me that, but especially not a young lady. And, uh, you know, it was interesting to hear, you know, she absolutely loved it. And she was talking because I, I read that book, you know, many years ago. But um, but she was talking about the lessons and, and what what she learned from it. And that's one of the things I always tell them after they tell me what book they read. I said, so what what did you take away from it? What was the lesson that you learned? Because like you said, I don't care what book you read. You can always take a lesson away from it um, if, if you really want to, if you want to actually. <laughs> So, so I, I think that's that's so important, and, and it's so those two things that you hit the ten pages and and get a lesson every time. I, I deal with that all the time. What do you think about? Okay, this is just for fun. I am a staunch believer in uh, making your bed the second you get up. And I know there's a whole bunch of books on successful people do this, but I think yeah. there's multiple reasons for it. <laughs> Do you do that? Do you make I it do. So yeah. even, even if I'm in a hotel. So, you know, I just did a, a week long. Uh, I did a week long uh, recruiting event down in Naples and Sarasota, Florida on the on the West Coast. I live in Daytona on the East Coast. And, and so I was down there recruiting high school students. So I was staying in a hotel um, and and even in a hotel, when I get up in the morning, I make my bed. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and my wife and I, we have, we have the, uh, the rule, the last one out of the bed gets to make the bed. Um, so, you know, some days, some days it's me, some days it's her, but I, you know, even when she's gone for a week, you know, she, sometimes she'll go spend a week with my daughter and grandkids and, you know, and I just can't get away cause I got other things I got to do when she's gone every morning. I make the bed, whether, you know, she, she wouldn't know if I made the bed or not, but I'll know. I, that's just something that, you know, it's, it goes back to discipline. It goes back to that. My, my father used to say, you know, 
my, and my father, you know, it's amazing how much smarter your parents get as they, as you get older, you know? <laughs> all those things that they used to tell you, you used to think, well, that's just stupid. Yeah. You know what? It's not, now that you're a little bit older, it's not so stupid, but, uh, um, he always used to tell me, uh, son, discipline yourself. So others don't have to. And he believed in self-discipline that now he didn't always practice it. You know, he was, he was one of those guys that, you know, do as I tell you, not as I do. Um, but, uh, but he, but he certainly did believe and, and I, and I am who I am today because of him. There's no doubt about it. He, he, uh, he instilled some things in me that, that I still do today. You know, the self-discipline things that, that, uh, that really made me who I am. And I, I, I'm very thankful for it. I love morning rituals. I feel like going through the regimen of the few things that you do every morning gives your mind that time to go, Absolutely. okay, I'm engaged. I'm ready to go. Let's, let's Absolutely. do this. what we so, need to do. Yeah. So me, I mean, I, the first thing I, you know, I, I, I start my day. I, I, I listen, I'm, I'm Catholic. So I listen to the, to the daily mass every single day. Um, and then I read a chapter out of the, out of the Bible. And then, uh, and then I go through my, you know, and I never had social media before I wrote my book, you know, and I always swore I never have social media, but when I wrote my book, the, uh, the publisher said, Oh, what, what's your social media? And I said, I don't have any. He said, well, we're going to fix that. And I said, I started to say something. He said, not not asking i'm telling you and so i i go now i go through that every morning just to kind of check things and you know see how things are going and then and then i try to get into the office uh probably i try to get in at least 30 minutes early before my first appointment so that i can get in get settled you know and and start and relax a little bit before before i start the day but going back before that the every night before I go to bed or usually in my office, every night before I leave the office, I take out a three by five card and I write down what I got to do tomorrow. And I put it in the order of the priority that I need to do it. Now, do I always get through all those things I got to do? No, because, you know, there's always going to be somebody who walks in my office, a cadet that I need to take care of that day. And that's fine. I'll put all my stuff away to, to take care of. So I may only get through three of the five things. Those two things now go to tomorrow's list. But it really does come down to priorities. And you've got to figure out what those priorities are in your life because it's different for everybody. Uh, and it's different in whatever jobs you have. But I had a boss one time who told me, oh, when you're talking about priorities and you're talking about your life and what you got to do and keep things uh, in balance, you got to think of all these things that you're juggling. Every everything that you're doing, you're juggling, and the things that you're juggling, the priorities are a glass ball, and the things that aren't a priority are a rubber ball. And you can let the rubber balls fall. You can let them bounce and whatever, and you pick them up tomorrow or next week or a year from now. You can't ever let those glass balls drop because when they right. do, they're broken. There's nothing you can do about it. So it, that always stuck in my mind, and that always made sense to me. So I always, every night before I, I'm done, I try to figure out what I got to do tomorrow. And then that way, when I get into the office, I don't have to sit down and think about what I got to do. I, I know it's right there's my three by five card. I can get started as soon as I get settled and, and relax a little bit. And it's time for me to start my day in the office. I know exactly what I got to do. It's interesting you do it at night. 
that is the one place of all the things that we've talked about where we kind of differ because I would stress about it all night. I would do my card and then I'd be like, I got to do this. 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 So at my night ritual is literally my gratitudes for the day. Yeah. So before I go to bed, I process my day and I go, okay, what are the things that happened that went well? What are the things that I could do better? What are the small wins, the celebrations, the things I want more of in my oh, life? That's a, that's a great way to do it. And that, and then the first thing in the morning, then I do my list. Like it's literally one of the first things that I do while I'm doing my journaling. I do my list. I do my priorities. And then I visualize because, you know, I'm kind of a, a mindset person. I visualize what's the perfect outcome for the day. Yeah. So I spend just a couple minutes going, okay, this is what my perfect day looks like. It yeah. might not end up being that way, but if it, I can it see oh, it coming that way, it works pretty good. <laughs> you know, and it's funny you talk about journaling. I'm, I'm a huge fan of journaling. I, I keep several journals. I keep a leadership journal, um, and I have for years and years. But I've kept a journal since fifth grade. Uh, every day I write down something, you know, what I did that day. That Most of it is boring stuff. It's what I did that day. When I got up, when, when I what I did during the day, what, what I had for dinner, what time I'll go to bed, whatever. But sometimes in there, you know, something special will happen or I'll, I'll have some, some thought that I want to talk about or whatever, but I keep a journal every day. And, and again, that, that's part of the discipline every night before I go to bed. That's one of the last things I do is I, is I finish up my journal. I try to keep up with it throughout the day if I can, but if not, then the last thing I do before I go to bed at night is I do my journal. But I think journals are important. And I think, you know, when, especially when we were talking about earlier about healing yourself, I think journal, uh, a journal is a very important thing that can help you do that. Um, it helps you organize your thoughts, your mind, your day, your whatever it is, your goals, whatever it is that you wanna do having a journal and, and having the discipline to do it every day, um, I think is one of those things that helps me keep, keep a, a clear mind of what it is that I want to do and accomplish. And it helps you recognize your triggers and patterns. Yeah. And, and, and we all have, again, we are all creatures of habit. Anybody who believes that they're not is fooling themselves. I promise you, you put your shoes on the exact same way every single day. I promise you. I tell all the young men that I talk to, you shave exactly the same way every single day. You do. I mean, it's just most people are so, so much creatures of habit that they do everything the exact same way every single day. And until you figure that out and you need to figure that out to make to make yourself understand that you can change. Right. But you have to make a conscious decision to change. Uh, and change doesn't come easy, you know, and the reason it doesn't is because we are creatures of habit. So if you really want to change something, then you got to make a conscious decision to make it happen. But if you don't know what your your routine, your habits are, then how do you know how to change them? That's a, right. that's recognition great. and awareness. That's the first step. Awareness and just. Yeah. Just observing. Yeah, <laughs> we spend a lot of time this, just observing. Yeah, absolutely. This is great, Chris. I'm, I'm learning some things here that I, I will use in, in future presentations, I promise. <laughs> Tell everybody. Okay, so I have. Oh, it didn't go backwards. Yay. Okay, so <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have a copy of your book here. How do I make this screen, like, see it properly? Oh, there, there we go. go. Okay, so this book is available on Amazon. Yes. Yes, it is. I suggest 
all of you read this and I don't care if you are an entrepreneur if you run a major corporation if you have no leadership role that you can even think of in your life if you're a single person who has nothing going on that you think you need leadership skills this book not only will help you become a leader in your own life it will help you become a leader for others it will help you see the world a little bit different it will help you see the people that are leaders in this world a little bit different. And it is full of amazing quotes that I'm telling you, there's something in here you're gonna read and you're just gonna go, oh my God, that changed my life. Well, thank you for those kind of <laughs> words, Chris. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, but I, 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 do, I do believe, and, and I have always believed, and I talk about it all the time, that leadership is leadership. And, you know, I, I've had people say, well, Colonel McCullough, you don't know anything about leading outside the army. And I said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, leadership is leadership. It doesn't matter where you learned it. It doesn't matter where you practice it. If you can lead, you can lead any organization. And I'm a perfect example of that. I was a combat arms officer, infantryman and a, and a armored cavalry officer for 23 years. I retired. I was the associate director of a food bank. I ran the day-to-day -day operation of a food bank. You don't get any opposite than that. I mean, combat arms officer, a food bank. And, you know, that was, I knew nothing about running a food bank when I took over. When I took over, we, we uh, were handing out 1.2 million pounds of food a year. By the time I left 18 months later, we were handing out 3.8 million pounds. So if you know how to lead, you can lead any organization. And I think that that's one of the things I try to preach in this book is that, it, it, it isn't rocket science. I mean, anybody can lead if they want to. The hard part is actually making yourself do the things that you need to do to be a good leader, not the things that you have to do. That's not hard. Those are pretty simple. And there's nothing new in that book. I mean, leadership's been leadership, been leadership for years and years and years. The hard part is making yourself do those things and realizing what it is that you have to do. And then once you do, once you realize what you have to do and you make yourself do it and you have a conscious decision to do the things you're supposed to do, then then it, you'll start seeing that that you're starting to make ground. You're trying to make progress and you're starting to to become that leader that you were meant to be. And that's why I, I named the book, titled the book that, you know, leadership, your leadership legacy. What le legacy do you want to lead? And becoming the leader you were meant to be because it, it truly is up to you what type of leader you're going to be. And I always tell young men and women all the time, look, leadership is a journey. It is not a destination. You don't wake up one day and say, well, I'm here. I'm a, I'm a leader now. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Every single leader, I don't care who he is, whoever, whoever he or she that you think is a great leader, they started exactly where everybody else did with no leadership ability or very little. And they develop it over years of being a leader and learning the things that you have to do and practice in it. And in, but even the best leader in your mind can still get better every day. They could get a little bit better. And so that's the whole purpose of this book is because I, you know, I wrote it for young men and women. That's really who I mainly wrote it for is, young men and women who want to be leaders, but don't know what it takes to be a leader. But I also wrote it for old men like me and old women 
who have been leaders for 20, 30, 40 years. And I've actually had people tell me this that are like me, who'd been a leader for 40 years. And they said, oh, you know, I didn't learn a whole lot new in your book. I may have learned a new technique to do something here or there. But what really I got out of it was I was reading along and I read something and I said, you know what? I used to do that really, really well. And I don't do that well anymore. Maybe I need to spend some more time getting back to doing that the way it should be done as a leader. And I even get things out of that. As I was writing it, I was thinking, you know, you know, I'm sitting here writing this, but do I really do that as well as I used to do it? And so, you know, that I think is important. And it's always important to kind of focus back on, are you really doing the things that you need to do? Because if you aren't, you got you to get back to doing those things that make you successful. As I was reading, three words kept popping up. Like the things that I find the most appealing about you and why like we connected super quickly because everything about you is discipline, integrity, and connection. And that like your whole book, that's you are from top to bottom, every part of your life, just discipline, integrity, and connection. And you you embody those elements and that is what leadership is. That's what servant leadership is. I mean, there's multiple, if we go theoretical, there's a lot of different leadership styles and supposedly we can be successful leaders in other styles, but I've never been a proponent of any of the other like. Me neither. I, and you know, and in the army, there's certainly, pl- certainly plenty of people who are the authoritarian leaders. Um, and I, I, I would argue that those, those leaders, although they may be successful, they get things done they get things done out of fear. fear. People fear them. And that's horrible. That is absolutely horrible. I had a boss who, who retired a four-star general. What great guy. I worked for him two or three times. Um, and he used to tell me, you know, Oak, on, on the scale of leadership, it, you really got from one end to the other. You got on one end, you've got micromanagers, authoritarian people who tell you everything that you got to do, when you got to do it, how you got to do it. And you hate those people. And then on the other end, you've got people, leaders who are all about chaos, Attila the Hun, give away as much authority as they can give to people and let them decide what to do, what, what's the best thing to do, because they're the people on the ground looking at it. And he said, Oak, you got to be as close to Attila the Hun as you can get, as close as you feel comfortable. you got to give away as much authority as you feel comfortable with. Understanding, like we talked about earlier, you cannot give away responsibility. You are responsible, but you got to give away the authority so that those people below you can do the things that you're asking them to do. And it's amazing what they will do. Will they do it the exact way you you did it or would do it? Absolutely not. But who cares? As long as they do what you ask them to do, you know, let them do it however they want to do it. Give them the authority and the resources to do it and then get out of their way. And he said, that's the hardest thing as a leader is to understand that you got to get out of people's way. <laughs> it isn't all about you. <laughs> Let them do it. And uh, and so I, absolutely, you. I, I, I'm a firm believer in servant leadership. I think that's that's the only true way to make an organization as effective and efficient as it can be. If you can, if you can get your whole team passionately focused on a singular goal, on that singular objective, they're going to go in the right direction. That's right. If you have faith in them to go in the right direction. So the most important aspect is getting them excited 
about where you're going, getting them right. passionately moving where you're going, because it doesn't matter how you get there. What matters is where you're going. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I, I talk about motivation and, and how do you motivate people? Because as a leader, that's huge. Um, how do you motivate the people that work for you? And, and I always, you know, and I say, first of all, it's not about, it's not about fame, fortune or money because that's not what drives most people, you know, and, and it certainly isn't about reward and punishment. That's how we train dogs, not people. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you don't reward people who deserve it. You don't punish people who deserve it because you certainly do, but that cannot be how you think you're going to motivate people. Cause that is not going to motivate people. What motivates people is a sense of purpose. You have to give people a sense of purpose. We all want a sense of purpose in everything we do. We want a sense of purpose in our work and our relationships and our hobby in everything we do. We want to have a sense of purpose. Why are we doing it? And I always tell people as leaders, the way to figure that out is to figure out what makes your unit, your organization, your company unique. And, you know, in the army, it was very simple. Combat arms officer it was really simple. Uh, you know, I got a mission. I'd walk to my guys and I'd say, hey, guys, this is our mission. We support and defend the Constitution of the United States. We defend the American way of life. Let's go. Motivated. Didn't have any, no problem ever motivating them. You know what? That didn't work at the food bank. So, you know, every organization's different. You got to find out what makes them, what's unique about that organization to motivate the people in that organization. And as once you figure that out, your life's going to get a lot easier. But you got to, you got to motivate them and you got to train them. And you, then you got to trust them. That's, that's the thing. Motivate them, train them and trust them and then leave them alone and let them do the things you're asking them to do. Cause nobody wants to be micromanaged. That, that, that is, you tell, that, that will drive me absolutely crazy. If, if you tell me to do something, then you stand over my shoulder and tell me how to do it. Then just do it yourself. Right. Why do you need me? <laughs> I have a mission for you. Okay. We just got today. This will be headed your way at some point in the near future. I have to get, I have to get all of, I don't want to give too much information away to everybody. Okay. Uh, this plaque is coming to Florida. This is Good. what we talked about. So as soon as I can get all of the intermediaries scheduled <laughs> and figure out where they will be hitting Florida, we'll be able to schedule that and we'll be able to get this out. And this is PFC. Um, what service did he do? He was army. So yes, also army. Good. So that will be amazing. And this will be going to his wife and she, I know her, she is an amazing person. So you will, you will love that. Good. So, I'm, I'm happy to do it for you. Happy to um, do it for you, Krista. I love this. I love this. I hope to find someone like you in every in every state who is like, when you can't find people, I don't care where we are in this day, I will make this happen. Uh, because that is huge. I mean, of course, we want 50 volunteers in Florida. But if we can't find someone, that the fact that you're willing to just go, okay, we're going to make this happen yep. is so big for us. So I want to tell you guys that Oak has volunteered to be a ferryman. And you guys all know, because I, I tell you guys all the time, that we are always looking for volunteers. And we are now on our second and third mission. Our first mission was complete last week. So if you missed it, I will put a link to the 
they actually did a celebration, an honor celebration for the gentleman who uh, we did a plaque for. So they did a memorial when it was presented to his wife and his mother. We made two for two for him. So our first one went to New York City uh, to an NYPD officer who died from 9-11 cancer. And we didn't expect it to be such a big, such a big happening. Um, on 9-11 here, we did his honor run and there were over 450 motorcycles. Um, we had 12 police escorts. We had fire trucks. Um, it was phenomenal. And we took his plaque to the University of Houston where they had the memorial for the 9-11. Um, they had pieces of the building and there was a memorial there for 9-11. So we did that. And then we wrote back and then we sent his plaque off. And when it got to New York, they did a ceremony to remember him there. So instead of just being this small, quiet thing that we expected it to be, it was this phenomenal event. Right. Where as people, it should, as it should be, as it should be. And that's that's what I like. That's what I imagine is that as these reach their final destination, you know, we have we have five police cars escorting, you know, and that everybody gets everybody gets that little bit of the family gets that moment to know that that we remember and that we care and that their person hasn't been forgotten. So that's our, that's our goal with this. And we can't do this without people like you, because obviously we could throw them in the mail, but there's nothing special about that. There's nothing that really says we remember about that. So the journey is more important for us than the destination. So you make the magic happen. And I can't think I'm, happy, I'm happy to do it, Krista. Happy to do it. So how can people find you? Yeah, so um, so I have a website and it's www.ltcoakmccullohmccullohch.com. And on that website, um, it has a link to my book site where you can buy, buy a copy of the book if you want to. And it, right now it's available in hardcover, paperback and ebook and I'm working on an audio book right now uh, version of it and then uh, and then I'm also on and then you can subscribe to the website you can um, sign me up to come speak at uh, at an event that you have you know be a guest speaker keynote speaker whatever you want and I, and I talk about other things it's just leadership as well I'm a history major so I talk about history things I talk about my personal experiences in the first Gulf War and in Kosovo and those kinds of things. So lots of things on the website, you can see all the things I talk about. And then, uh, and then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on, I have two Facebook. I have my professional Facebook and I have my uh, uh, regular Facebook. And then I, I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Twitter, although I, I can't figure out Twitter. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, maybe I'm just too old. I don't know. I don't do Twitter either. <laughs> I'm on it and I, I put stuff on there, but I can't figure it out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Is there anything you want to leave everybody with? So I, I want to thank you for having me on here and the things that you do are so important. And, you know, I ha having been lucky enough to serve this country for 23 years on active duty and continue to serve in some capacity, since then, I, I I understand the importance of service and 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 sacrifice. And over the years, seen soldiers die, and uh, and not only soldiers, but you also deal with 
first responder, policemen, firemen, those type of things as well. Those type of people who who serve our country just as much as soldiers and sail, sailors and airmen and Marines do. So um, it, it's important what you do. And I, I appreciate what you do. I really do. Thank you. Thank, and thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. I've had a blast. I really have. <laughs> it was awesome having you here. All right, you guys, we have gone over our hour and I always promise that I will keep you guys to an hour. So I'm going to sign us out. Have an excellent, excellent evening, and I will see you guys next Monday. Bye.